come on in. Come on. <laughs> come on. In. Welcome, welcome. The slow road to better. Why do we do the slow road to better? Well, we've been lucky where we can talk about it to our our friends, people here at the Stroke Comeback Center, but now then we can tell more people across the world to learn about it. What is the it that we're talking about? Aphasia. Stroke yeah. survivors. Mm-hmm. TBI people. Life moves on. Inspiration. Help listeners. That our inspiration of a bridge of hope. I love it. Trying to help each other a lifeline. Part of it also is we started doing it. It's not because we just wanted to tell everyone to see what happened to us. But also we wanted to get better talking ourselves oh, with the phaser. Sure. And we wanted to one day, it's not going to, the phaser's not leaving it, but we'd like to crush it a little bit. Let's listen in. Listen in. All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. Thank you. Good. Good. Very good. All right. Well, as promised today, we have a very special guest. He is actually a return special guest, and his name is Dr. Peter Turkeltaub. I really try hard. Did I get it right? Did it. <laughs> um, I, I've been practicing for a year. How many I still times can't... do you? Like, everybody messed up or 99% you're doing it right? Because it's hard. It's hard, yeah. I know. It's about 80% incorrect, I think. All right. Jeez. My favorite is when people say things that really have very little to do with the spelling of my name. I get, uh, surprisingly, I get Turklebaum a lot. <laughs> as you know, we'll probably just call you Peter because yeah. we're not going to um, chance our, you know, chance our odds on getting it right. But to give our listeners a, a brief introduction of who you are in terms of your professional background, you are Associate Professor for the Departments of Neurology and Rehabilitation Medicine at Georgetown University Medical Center. You are also the director of the Cognitive Recovery Lab at Georgetown. You are the medical director, Center for Aphasia Research and Rehabilitation at the Georgetown University Medical Center. Um, And you are the director of the Aphasia Clinic at MedStar National Rehab. And I just put this one in because it's near and dear to my heart. You are also on the board of directors for the National Aphasia Association which I think is equally impressive Absolutely. as, you know, medical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Did I, miss, did I miss anything? You have a very impressive uh, That's bio. Great. Thank, you. Thank you. I also say to everyone, what I like best about Peter is he's like a normal guy. Like, he's a really smart guy, and he's a nice normal guy that you can have a conversation Absolutely. with. So thank you for being part of our podcast and are are you zooming in from I home am. this is my office upstairs so you may get to meet my kids at some point we'll see if they, yes. can, <laughs> if they can hold out for an hour that would be Probably fantastic <laughs> we would like it so i'm going to turn it over to them and let them fire some questions at you i have a few of my own otherwise i'm going to turn it over to them 
who has a question for so Peter? what now do you research because this you know COVID and everything so are you studying COVID or COVID and aphasia or basically you're the same thing yeah it's a good question Chris um yeah so the COVID um the shutdown and the pandemic has uh, impacted a lot of research. So we haven't switched the type of research that we're doing or the questions that we're asking, but we've had to make a lot of changes to how we do our research. Uh, my whole lab has been at home, like everybody else, since March, um, and we haven't been going into the lab. So we are not running any new research uh, participants um, we are huddled down at home trying to uh, analyze data and catch up with all of our um, coding of data, writing a lot of papers. I have about five papers from students and other trainees on my desk that I'm working on revising. Um, so that's what we've been doing and submitting grants. Uh, so we've submitted a, a number of grants, mostly training grants to help um, pay for the training of PhD students and postdoctoral fellows. So that's what we've been doing. Okay, and then do you have any aphasia who have COVID and then you want to study because that is a not normal situation? Yeah. Yeah, no, we haven't yet. I mean, we haven't heard from any of our participants who um, who have it. Um, and we haven't moved to, you know, we would need new protocols and, uh, and things to try to do that. And most of our testing is in person. Um, we can do some of our testing <laughs> over Zoom. Right, <laughs> you, you've been there. So, uh, you know, we could do some of our testing over Zoom, but no, we haven't, we haven't explored that. Okay, I've, I've been a little curious about it because you know COVID does have some neurologic uh, effects, um, but I haven't heard anything specific about aphasia aside from the fact that it can cause um, strokes. Okay, just wondering. Mm -hmm. Sure. Hey, Peter, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, can you give us a quick background on what? is sort of your main area of research? Yeah, sure. So don't, I'm a, don't say it too confusing, okay? Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> so I'm a neurologist, um, and the main focus of my, my research is on the brain basis of aphasia. Um, so it's understanding how the uh, particular uh, attributes of the stroke that you had, like how big was your stroke, where in your brain was your stroke, um, relates to what kind of problems you have after the stroke, and then how um, the health of the rest of the brain and connections in the brain and activity of the, of the brain can support a good recovery uh, from aphasia. Um, so one of the things that I, that I like to think about is uh, the fact that every person who's had a stroke is different. Um, they were different before the stroke and they're different after the stroke. Um, and everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses, and we want to understand why. And we want to understand why two people who might have had very similar looking strokes, when you look at an MRI, 
one of them might have a very, very good recovery and another one might not. And they may have different kinds of problems and we wanna understand why that is because we think that'll help us design new treatments. Um, another part of our, our work is trying to design new treatments using electrical and magnetic brain stimulation. We've taken a little break from that right now um, because we wanted to take a step back and try to understand aphasia recovery better first so that we could design the best kind of treatments that we could. What about uh, TBI and accident? Yeah, so we, our focus is mainly on stroke for our research um, studies. Um, and the reason is that uh, stroke is, um, for lack of, lack of a better way of saying this, it's a more manageable kind of brain injury uh, for us to work with because we can see where, this, where the stroke was on the brain. We know exactly when it occurred. And we have a good understanding of how recovery from stroke works in the brain um, at a basic level. Uh, for TBI, it's harder to see where the injury was, um, and uh, we don't understand how TBI works as well in the brain. Um, and so it's easier for us to understand these things by looking at people with stroke. Our hope is that um, irrespective of what caused the aphasia, that the research will, um, will be applicable to everybody with aphasia, whether it was stroke or TBI. Um, but we'll have to prove that at some point. Well, isn't there uh, other doctors out there that are like kind of trying to find them the, the same as a TBI also? If that makes any uh, sense? Uh, ask that again. I'm not sure I understood. Because like how uh, great. Now I see I got aphasia so I can't say somebody's name. <laughs> Kitty. Like she was saying you know with the, the TBI and that's kind of like the other question for me is like aren't more doctors out there for trying to how to help or get rid of TBI? You know? yeah, that, yeah, good question. So TBI in general, there's a lot of research on TBI um, in general. A lot of it is funded by the Department of Defense, but uh, funded by NIH also. Um, so there's lots of work on TBI, both the short-term uh, effects of TBI like concussion and the possible longer-term effects of TBI like chronic traumatic encephalopathy, um, you know, in football players and, and so on. So there's a lot of research on TBI, not as much on aphasia in TBI. Um, most of the aphasia work is in stroke. Um, and part of that also is that stroke is the most common cause of aphasia. Um, and so the focus is more on stroke for aphasia. Um, do people that have stroke, do they, that's why I have weird questions that make no sense. Because um, I had a penetrating TBI when I was in the war. <laughs> but, and I was an accident. Yeah, but do the uh, people that have a stroke, is it, that's not really possible, but, or it is possible that it's not very likely that they have a, a, a penetrating uh, stroke? Well, you can have a bleeding stroke. So you can have a stroke where there's, um, a hemorrhage uh, in the brain that looks more like a TBI um, than a regular ischemic stroke where there's a blood clot and a lack of blood mm. flow. But there are similarities and there's also differences with, um, with TBI, you know, the brain sort of gets jostled and uh, inside the skull. And so there's bruising that you wouldn't see with a stroke. 
and there's also potentially tearing of the connections between different parts of the brain that you don't see with with a stroke. So there are differences. Um, mm. Sort of depends on the type of stroke and the type of of um, TBI. I found the uh, the um, uh, Melissa sent us with your uh, uh, what does the word be called your bio. Bio, yes. So this one word is really T D C S. Uh -huh. No idea if I could ever say it. But the one question that I came up with was um, uh, do the, let me look at it real quick, the question. <laughs> do the, this for people with epilepsy. So I think I left one of those, the, the sentences of the words I was going to use, but I, I, I missed it. You so, wanted to TDCS could be used to treat epilepsy? Yeah. And could you tell us what that stands for, for people who don't know? Yeah, so TDCS is transcranial direct current stimulation. It's a very mild kind of non-invasive electrical stimulation of the brain. Basically, you put um, a few electrodes on the scalp and you run a very low level of just constant electrical current through the brain for about 20 minutes. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a nine volt battery amount of electricity. It's a very small amount of electricity. Um, but we think that very small amount of electricity just slightly changes the way brain cells fire while you're being stimulated. And we think that that effect can actually last a little while after we stop stimulation. So there's a number of studies trying this for a variety of different um, neurological conditions uh, with sort of two main ideas. One is that we could maybe change the way brain networks talk to each other. Uh, and then the second is that uh, we might be able to enhance learning through something like speech therapy or aphasia. So um, in epilepsy, I'm not aware of any studies uh, suggesting that this is very effective. There's a reason to think it could be. Um, so one type of TBCS can slightly dampen activity in a particular part of the brain. And so you could imagine if, if you think of epilepsy as a part of the brain being kind of overactive, um, that maybe dampening activity in that area would be helpful. But I. There may be studies out there that, that have looked at this. Um, I ha I'm not aware of any suggesting that it's very helpful for epilepsy. It's a, a guy I know, he's a friend of mine, and um, he, he has a friend, and he has built this thing with people with epilepsy, and you put it inside their brain, and it, so it, I guess it... So that's different. So there's a, there's a device called a NeuroPACE device, which is an implantable stimulator. And you can think of that one kind of like a defibrillator for the brain. It's not, it's, that's, that analogy is not perfect, but the idea is that you can detect a seizure as it's about to happen and then kind of zap it to stop it from happening. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah. That's neat. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. Anyway, um, so I had a video or something either yesterday or two days ago, and it is 
a chiropractor basically a balloon in the ear or something and it basically is I guess it alleviates a so I, I think it is basically a way to alleviate pain for stroke or something. There's scientists or whatever, chiropractor basically is saying this is alleviates and now it's relieves everything. And I was just weirded out because I don't know if that's real yeah. or fake. So um, I'm always impressed with the creativity that people have when they are coming up with new <laughs> treatments for, for things. I have not heard of this. Um, you know, usually when you see a treatment that seems a little goofy that somebody is claiming treats everything, it's usually not. Where are you supposed to put this balloon? What was happening? Because I'm Googling it while you're, while you're mentioning this, because I've never heard it before. Maybe the president did it, you know? The president. <laughs> I, I exactly. think it is up your nose. Okay, so evidently there is a YouTube video. Uh -oh. Balloon up your nose is chiropractic tool called craniofacial release. <laughs> I mean, so that is the first thing that comes up. I'm not sure that you should be getting your medical advice off of YouTube. No, I, I understand that. I was just wondering, like, is it real or fake? I, you know. So I can do some research if you want, Chris, to try to figure okay. it out. My guess off the top of my head, I guess it's fake, but, uh, you know, but I can do some research. The, the way that you need to figure it out is, First, you, you look at whatever website is trying to sell it to see if, you, if it feels like they're just trying to make money off of you. And you can often get a good feeling for that just based on how they're talking about their treatment. If they are claiming huge effects that seem unrealistic, or if they're claiming to treat a huge variety of different problems with the same treatment, usually that's a red flag. And then I, and then I look for data to back it up. So anybody who is trying to sell uh, a treatment. If it's a real treatment, uh, there should be good uh, clinical trials, you know, with a placebo control group and randomization and the kind of evidence that we want to support treatments that are genuinely effective. And okay. so that's what you're looking for. Um, sometimes it's hard to tell. And so you can always ask me or another doctor and we can, we can look and see if that evidence is there for you. Okay. And I've seen some claims even in um, sort of the aphasia world where come see me or come buy this and we can cure aphasia. Yeah, there, um, there's, there's some examples I can give. So there's a clinic in Florida that does uh, injections next to the spine of this powerful anti-inflammatory medicine that's used for things like rheumatoid arthritis. And he was, a doctor down there was claiming to basically cure aphasia by doing this. Um, and that's, it, there's no reason to think that that should have any effect uh, on aphasia. And sometimes they'll show very convincing videos before and after videos 
Um, but those videos can be manipulated. And if there's no good scientific evidence, especially for something like that, where there's an obvious risk of harm, you know, people who are willing to do that kind of treatment without good evidence, um, you should just be concerned about that. Um, Pat just put something in the chat box. Do you want me to read this out loud, Pat? You're muted. You guys are doing a good job trying to keep all the background noise out. Yes, but... um, I, cannot, I cannot say that word, so. Okay, I, I'll read it, but uh, Peter, for one second, could you pick that mug back up again? Because that was an impressive size coffee mug. I know, yes. Wow, I have mug envy. Look how little mine is. That is a... Wow. Um, like, I was going to say, Mike is always a, uh, is that Diet Coke? Are you a Diet Coke drinker in the morning? That's right. It, 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 and I do it every day. <laughs> now, Janine um, says only two, but maybe sometimes three. <laughs> That's a beautiful mug. It looks, did someone make that for you? You know, I got this at a craft fair with my parents about 25 years ago. This is actually, I had one and my parents had one and mine broke. And then we were cleaning out my parents' house. They moved to a, to, um, a community out in, in Loudoun and they, um, they still had the other one and they were gonna get rid of it. It was my favorite mug. The other one was my favorite mug for about 15 years and I was really upset when it broke. So I was very happy to get its, its sister mug back. <laughs> okay, you know what? I think, I don't know where Chris went, but I'm pretty sure at the end of this that when we take our screenshot, you're going to have to hold that up so all the listeners can appreciate your mug. Okay. Uh, 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 I love coffee before my accident. I am work and I have one large coffee. <laughs> and good, 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. not drink coffee anymore, Kitty? No, mm, I I have a seizure. Oh, so mm. you stay away from it because of the caffeine? Mm. Gotcha. Okay. I did, I did some things. In, in, at night, I can do coffee for Turkish coffee. Mm. And that's very good. But that's mm. that's it. Mm. Isn't Turkish coffee strong? Oh my yes. <laughs> and you drink that at night? Like a little no. one. Well, right? oh, yes, just yes, that's right. A little bit. That's and right. Browns in, is that right? Yes, yes indeed. Because oh, we lived in Bulgaria and they did that too. Uh-huh. Mm. You can drink it and then you just pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say you can drink it and evidently chew it at the same time. Yep. Well, you can. <laughs> okay, Pat's question was, what does neuropsychology mean? Sure. So neuropsychology is a branch of psychology um, that studies how uh, brain injuries or other problems with the brain uh, affect your thinking. Um, and so you may have uh, at some point had a... Um, an assessment or evaluation with a neuropsychologist? Nah, no way. <laughs> they would be the ones who do hours and hours and hours of cognitive testing uh, with you to look at memory and attention and language and executive function. 
to try to figure out where your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and then that can be very helpful for your therapists or your doctors to think about how best to, to help you uh, recover. Uh, Dr. Wu friends, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, H-A-N. Okay. Oh, Dr. Han, neuro, neuropsych oh, testing. Mm -hmm. You have it coming up? Yeah, Friday. Okay. And what does that do? Uh, uh, memory uh, and uh, 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 like uh, uh, longer, shorter and longer and longer and longer. Gotcha. It, it will be good for you, Katie, because I've done it so many times the last 13 years. You'll get better. If you keep going, you just get better and better with the uh, the tests. So I think it's... I'm not weird. sure. Don't <laughs> yeah. quit. It's just one of those things you don't quit, and then you'll get better, you know? Okay. Even Melissa can tell you about me <laughs> <laughs> when I first got there and, you know... So the, the testing is the main thing that neuropsychologists do, but some neuropsychologists also do counseling. Uh, for instance, the, the neuropsychologists that we have at MedStar NRH are, um, a lot of what they do is counseling for people that have had traumatic brain injuries or a stroke um, to help them adjust um, and cope with um, the changes in their life after the injury. So they can be very helpful for that too. And, it, and I think they're, they're particularly well suited to do that because they're so familiar with the effects of, of brain injuries of different types. Kitty, have you ever done neuropsych testing before? Uh, yes, uh, in a hospital. I just don't, um, I just did not understand. And uh, uh, last Tuesday, no, uh, June, last June or July, they are, uh, she was uh, as chapter, uh, chapter uh, half, and then uh, in uh, Friday, I was going to half. Um, I was just going to say, uh, if you haven't done it before, I try to always warn people because it is very long. I know. And it is very exhausting. And at times, I think people find it demoralizing because it's really hard. But just remember, it would be really hard. It would have been hard for you before your injury. It's looking at lots of skills, and we all have our strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> so just hang in there, do the best you can. Just know it's, it's hard for everybody, okay? Okay. All right, so I can tell from our slow road to better podcast today that this is going to be a two-parter. I try to keep our podcast to 30 minutes or less because I find people with aphasia don't want to listen that long. So we have lots of great information. So this will definitely be broken down into two separate podcasts. Uh, before we go, I want to snap a picture because I do want a picture of your snazzy mug and I want Mike's, his Diet Coke can. I thought for a minute there we were going to just have an empty space for Chris, but he's just completely disappeared. Um, <laughs> and I just really, really, really want to thank you for your time and your energy and your dedication to Asia community because I really appreciate it.
All right. So picture first. Everybody you get your mug. You need you guys need to get some sponsorship money. Yeah. Look, I even pulled my shirt comeback center mug today. I didn't know we were gonna maybe we can do Coke. Where's your Gatorade bottle, Christy? I mean uh, Kitty. All right, here we go. Ready? Smile. All right, we have what we have. We'll see what we have. So thank you so much. I'll let you know um, when the podcast is out. I was hoping if I stalled long enough, your kids would show up, but I guess not. Oh, I, I could go get them. But, uh. <laughs> no, they, they're occupied. <laughs> Leave them alone. All right. So thank you so much. And we're going to wrap it up on this episode of The Slow Road, Road to Better. Awesome. Our lawyers made us say this. Disclaimers. What about disclaimers? Your opinion, the group opinion is not valid. Well, it is, but it's valid, but I'm having a disclaimer so that we don't get in trouble. Yes. Doctors. Doctors. Who's doctor? Um, they. They. Their doctor. Yes. All right. Yes. So, if people hear something on this podcast, you should ask your doctor. Doctor. Amen.